believe that tonight? Amen. What a mighty God that we serve. Amen. Whatever your problem tonight, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever Satan's lied to you about this week, Jesus Christ is more than able to meet your need. Amen. I hope you didn't come tonight just to hear some guy from Jeffersonville or just to come sit in a pew or just to sing a few songs, but I hope you came tonight to see what the Lord will have for us. If he's here, all things are possible. Amen. Well, this is my first time here to minister. Certainly appreciate Brother, Brother Tim uh, giving me the opportunity. I, I know that as a pastor, that's not something that just comes lightly, so I appreciate his confidence in me to invite me to speak uh, to you while I was here. And and um, just to help me relax my nerves a little bit and just so we can maybe have church tonight, let's, let's sing this together before we go into the rest of the service. Amen. Help me sing it together. Brother Bram said if, you're emo- if your religion doesn't have any emotion to it, you might as well bury it because it's dead. So we don't believe that emotion is the evidence, but we believe that the Holy Spirit will bring emotion. So, amen. Oh, there's a light in the window oh the tables spread in splendor i know someone's standing by the open door oh and i can't see that crystal river lord i know i must be getting near forever because i've never been this home since Bright light shine. Church is just about home time. I can see my father standing at the door. Well, this whole world's a wilderness, but we're ready for deliverance. Oh, and Lord, I've never been this homesick My family gathered those sweet faces, all familiar, but no one's old, no one's feeble anymore. Oh, sometimes my lonesome heart gets to crying. Church, I feel like spreading my wings for flying, cause I've never been this homesick.
Amen. I believe that's the way the bride feels tonight. Amen. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. And um, my, you know, it's an odd thing. Brother Bram said, who is this Melchizedek in 1965? He said that Jesus came from theophany, and that's how he could know all things. But we bypassed our theophany, and so we don't remember being back there in the mind of God. So it's strange to be homesick for a place that we've never been before. Amen, but we're going back to because we was part of him in his mind from the beginning. So, praise the Lord. What a privilege people to have that deep that calls to a deep. Brother Ram said, you have representation over there. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me tonight, if you would, to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, and just want to read verse 12 and part of verse 13 tonight. Just... Try to relax as best you can. I don't plan on bringing anything new or shocking to you. I may not read any quotes or scriptures that you haven't heard before, but maybe the Lord can just help us to get into a channel where he can bring it right down your pew to where it will be maybe mean more to you where you're at than maybe it has before. So Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us, and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? With the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you tonight on this thought of, is he still the same? Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to come together Lord, we've heard the songs of Zion. We've heard the scriptures read. Lord, we feel your presence here tonight. Lord, I just ask that you'd take complete control, Lord, tonight. Lord, your prophet teaches us that you're not the God of the platform only, but you're also the God of the audience. And Lord, we ask that, Lord, you would anoint me tonight in a way that I could get myself out of the way to speak something that would help individuals. Lord, not that man would get the praise because we recognize anything of eternal value that's done. Lord, it has to be you that would do it. But we believe that you still use human vessels today. Lord, your prophet told us that you have no hands but our hands and no lips but our lips. So, Lord, we want to yield ourselves as vessels to you so that you could come and you could anoint and you could speak to hearts tonight. Lord, but don't only anoint the speaker because it would just fall flat, but may you anoint those that will, will hear tonight as well to receive. May we go out of here saying, didn't our hearts burn within us as you talked to us along the way, Lord? And may we go out of here better than we were when we came in, Father, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and we'll give you the glory. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Jesus said in his word, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So I'm not here tonight to try to lift up myself or any other man but the man Christ Jesus. And we want to lift him up before the people so that he can draw the people into him. Gideon here in the reading of the scripture, he had heard uh, his, maybe his parents and his grandparents and different ones that had told him about the days gone by. And they had told him about the parting of the Red Sea and 
They had told him about the plagues and the miracles and the turning of the water into blood in Egypt. And they had told him how Moses would throw down his staff and it would become a stick and uh, it would become a serpent rather and pick it back up and it would become a stick. And they had heard the stories and the miracles of old, but now something has happened to him and, and there's been some persecution that's come. And due to the persecution, now we find him and he's hiding out in the threshing floor of his father, threshing wheat and, and you know, knowing that some of these enemies would be coming up against him. He would hide a little while and thresh a little while and hide a little while and thresh a little while and and didn't sound like a very good candidate for somebody that would be called a, a mighty man of valor, but yet the angel of the Lord comes to him and calls him that. Now, no doubt Gideon in his own life, here he'd just been hiding from the enemy and, and, and threshing a little in secret and hiding a while and no doubt in his own mind, he didn't feel very much like a mighty man of valor. He, he confessed in himself, I'm the weakest of, of my family the smallest were the least of the tribes all, he had all these excuses of reasons why he didn't feel like he was a, a mighty man of valor but yet the angel spoke and called him that anyhow maybe his parents could say I don't see anything mighty or valiant about him but yet the angel saw something in Gideon a, a positional placing that would be in his life that separated him from other people in that age and I thank God for a word today that we can be identified that maybe you could look back to what you was five years or ten years ago or maybe even tonight maybe you feel unworthy hey if there's anybody that feels unworthy tonight it's the preacher that's standing here before you Amen. I'm unworthy. I don't have the ability in myself to to perform what needs to be performed tonight. But I thank God I'm not depending on my own worthiness. I thank God I'm not depending on my own self-righteousness, but I'm depending on Jesus Christ. And because of that, he can come into lives and place us into things that we could have never seen ourselves placed into on our own. And the, the, the angel comes and says, Thou mighty man of valor, if the Lord, God has called you. And Gideon says, If the Lord is with us, then where be all his miracles? Now, this is a, this is a valid question. And we find, you know, Brother Branham tells us over and over, I think they've got it up behind me tonight. And it was the, it was the very theme of Brother Branham's ministry. It was on his letterheads. It was on his business cards. It was on the prayer cards. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Brother Branham warns us many times, and he says, now, what man uh, does so many times, they fall for a trap of the devil, and that is to get us to look back to what God did and to look forward to something way off in the future to what he's going to do, and we fail to recognize what he's doing in our midst. It's easy for us to recognize a Jesus Christ of yesterday. It's easy for us to recognize, Brother Aaron, a, a Jesus Christ of Paul's day or a Jesus Christ on the shores of Galilee. It's easy for us to recognize tonight a, a Jesus Christ of Moses parting the Red Seas and a, a Jesus Christ of 1937 and a Jesus Christ of 1946 and a, a Jesus Christ of 1963 with the opening of the seals and a Jesus Christ of 1965 but if we're not careful, we, we get under this tendency to, to feel like that Jesus got buried back in there in 1965 with Brother Branham. Don't worry, it's quieter online than it is in here tonight, I'm sure. People dropping their false teeth and their Coca-Colas. and I don't say that to disrespect Brother Branham. In fact, I'll go a little step further and maybe shock us the other direction. Brother Branham's not dead. 
But Ram taught us Christians don't die. He's in another dimension. In some ways, he's more alive than we are tonight. But Brother Branham can't come pray for you. He can't come lay hands on you tonight. We're separated by a dimensional gap. But Jesus Christ is not dead. And neither is he contained in another dimension. But he's a present tense God here with us tonight. The same that he was yesterday. In what way is he the same, Brother Nathan? Brother Branham teaches us that he's the same in every way except the corporal body. I've got to take this off. Jesus Christ is the same in every way but the corporal body. What does that mean, Brother Nathan? It means that he's in bride form today. Thank you, Brother. I didn't see it. He's in bride form today. He's in a many-membered body. But yet he's not just contained in in portion and he's not contained to to a little bitty portion of the Holy Spirit that Nathan Bryant has. He's not contained to your little bitty portion. It's a many membered bride of Jesus Christ. Around the world, you know, we get all these movements today that, that want to isolate the Holy Spirit or isolate the move of God to a, to a move or a camp or a location or a geographic address that we can point somebody to, but he's all over the world. Amen. The, the song says he's all over me and he's keeping me alive. He's in Zimbabwe and he's keeping them alive. He's up in Canada and he's keeping them alive. He's down in South America and oh my, he's here tonight in Louisiana. He's over in New Albany, Indiana, where my, one of my associate ministers is preaching at tonight. He can't be contained to a thought or an idea or somebody's opinion or a doctrine. You know, I'm, I thank God for doctrine. I thank God for revelation. But, but God is not contained to a specific doctrine, whatever your pet doctrine might be. He's the same today as he was yesterday. St. John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus tells them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. You can just leave it up there for a moment, brothers and sisters, if you would. He that believeth on me, the works that I do. Now, you've got groups of people around the message that that they erase that and they say, the prophets shall do greater works than I do. And then you've got another group of people that they'll erase it and they'll say, well, my pastor will do greater works. But he didn't say just the pastors and he didn't say just the prophet. He said, he that believeth on me. That includes each and every one of you tonight if you're a believer. He that believeth on me. Brother Branham teaches us things like each one of you has a ministry, even to the housewife. But if we're not careful, we leave him in a cassette box or we leave him up on the platform at church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I thank God for Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I thank God for churches and pastors and I thank God for a message of a vindicated prophet that we can go back and hear God's voice to our day. I thank God for that, but don't leave him there. Uh, This same prophet would come and teach us uh, that his purpose was to raise Jesus Christ up out of history. The denominations had left him back in the pages of the Bible, but a vindicated prophet in this age would come, Brother Craig, and lift him back up out of history. 
and the cry of the churches of the denominations that would try to oppress his ministry would say the days of miracles are past and it didn't matter how much they talked it didn't matter how big a congregation they had he proved them wrong night after night and service after service and meeting after meeting that the days of miracles were not past what did he do he raised him up out of history a present tense God Amen, a living God, a God of the now. Amen, if he's a God of history, then he's no more than Buddha or or Muhammad or any other religion. If we've left him back in history, he's no more than George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, but I don't serve a God of history tonight. Amen, a God of history can't help your marriage problems. A God of history can't heal you. Oh, he could heal somebody back in the Bible days or he could heal somebody in Shreveport, you know, 50 or 60 years ago. But a God of the past will do you no good. A God of the future of, oh, someday in the millennium or someday in the rapture or someday in this. or he, That can't do you any good tonight. But I need a God that when my family's sick, I can call him and he'll answer. These words of Jesus, they're either the truth or they're a lie. And if this part's a lie, then we need to throw the whole book away. He says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. What does that mean, Brother Nathan? Are we all going to raise the dead? No. I don't think everybody has to raise the dead. But the believer, what was the sign of the believer? We'll look at in a little bit that signs and wonders would be following. A sign and a wonder sometimes is just a good holy life lived in Laodicea at your job or at your school. By in this age, that's a sign and a wonder. A sign and a wonder in this age is maybe just some of you mothers with a little sick child with a fever to pray and the fever break. Oh, you know, maybe your name isn't up in lights and and maybe you're not known around the world, but it's still signs and wonders following the believer. What is the works of God, 1959? Brother Branham says, now if we can find out what Jesus was when he was in Galilee, then if he's in Los Angeles tonight, or we'll bring it down personal to us, if if, if he's in Louisiana tonight, he will do an act and be as he was then or it would be a different Jesus than it was then. Oh, I know there's many today that they want to go out and serve a different Jesus. They're looking for an easier Jesus. I'm looking for the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. I'm not looking for an easy Jesus, a fake Jesus, a Santa Claus Jesus, a Methodist Jesus, a Baptist Jesus, a Pentecostal Jesus, or whatever message, doctrine, name, Jesus you want to write in. I'm looking for the Jesus of the Bible. What he did back then, how can we identify him in this age? He'll do the same thing that he did back there. He's got to be the same. He said he'll do an act and be as he was then or it would be a different Jesus than it was then. He's got to be the same every way but working through your flesh and my flesh as he, God, worked through Christ or Jesus' flesh in that day. Why? Because he's not here in a corporal body. We're not looking for him to come in the back door tonight to, in a robe and, and long hair and sandals and nail prints and nail scars and say, hey, here I am to identify myself. My, if you see him in that body and you, you haven't made things right, then you, you waited too long. But how do we see him now, present tense? I see him in brothers and sisters. I see little glimpses of the attributes of God in the believer in the form that he promised he'd be in. 
How do we know that it's God? Because he's doing the same works that he did. Let's, let's look, you know, we're taught to be a scriptural church. Let's look at some scriptures and see the way that he acted back then. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. So Jesus went to church. Jesus taught the word and preaching the gospel. So it wasn't just an intellectual, wishy-washy, doctrinal word, but he actually preached the gospel as well. He taught it in the synagogues, and he preached the gospel, which Brother Brandon said was the preaching of the gospel was the manifestation of it. It's one thing to teach the word. It's another to produce the word and make it manifested. He went into about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. This was the Jesus of yesterday. So if your Jesus of today acts different than this, you've got the wrong Jesus. You've got a Jesus of your imagination. You've got a Jesus of some intellectual conception that's been dragged in from the denominations or dragged out of somebody's imagination. I don't want a Jesus of somebody's imagination. I want a Jesus that'll act the same way that he did back then. Jesus went to church. So if you tell, you know, I've had people sit down in my office, Brother Tim, at home and tell me, Brother Nathan, we don't have anything about against you or at the church, but God is just leading us to stay home. I thought, well, I said, how? In my mind, I'm saying this. To them, I said, well, however God leads you, whatever God is leading you to do, that's what I would do. But God will never lead you contrary to what his word said. I thank God. You know, and I hope Brother Tim doesn't mind me getting on a few of these things. I thank God for technology the way that it is today. And Satan uses it, but it's used for the kingdom of heaven as well. I thank God for the ability for the shut-ins and those in the nursing homes and those that live three hours away to be able to stream services like this and to go back and archive services and things like that. But uh, I, I don't believe that it was intended by, by the pastors or, or by the prophet of God to be used as a crutch to stay home. Didn't say forsake not the paying of the internet bill. Said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now I was told recently that there's a church in Italy that's teaching that if you don't stream a certain brother's services at the exact same time that they're happening, then you cannot be bride. And I thought, my goodness gracious, Brother Aaron, I'd hate to think that my eternal destination and my election depended on my internet connection. That, well, oh, honey, did you pay the internet bill? Because we can't be bride. That's not the Jesus of yesterday. The Jesus of yesterday would have found a synagogue, would have found a church. And he wouldn't have just went and criticized everybody, but he, he taught and he preached and he cast out devils and he healed the sick because he was more than talk. They were amazed at his doctrine, but they were more amazed that he wasn't just a man of words, but he was a man of deeds. Anybody can say anything. He could say uh, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it again in three days. Any, I can say that. Anybody can say that, but to actually do it is something else. And he, was, he proved, oh my, anybody could have died 
Now, we couldn't have died like he died. Brother Bram talks about the chemicals and the elements and how his heart burst from, from a broken heart because carrying all the sins of the world and his own children crying for his blood, we couldn't die that type of death but because he gave his life freely for us. The Romans couldn't kill him. The Jews couldn't kill him. But he gave his life for us. But anybody could have been crucified on a cross. It'd be a terrible way to go, but anybody could die on a cross. But there was only one that could raise again the third day. Let me just stop here. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that's, that's all right. We'll come back to where we were. Let me tell you a little, a little story that I was thinking of recently that there was, there was a, a young man, and, and he, if there was any man that had a right to say, you know, as Gideon said, if God be God, then where are his miracles? If there was any man that ever lived that had a right to say that God waited too long and that God was too late and that God had failed him, it was this man. And as a young boy, historians and the prophet of God teach us that this young man had a little friend that he grew up with and they would have sleepovers together. And, and it was a, a very odd relationship, probably one of the strangest friendships that I can imagine, Brother Craig. And because these boys, even though they became very close friends, they were very, very different. And growing up, at an early age, this young man had to identify a difference between him and this other young man because... His, his friend, no matter what the situation, no matter what the struggle, no matter what the trial, his friend always had an answer for whatever the problem was. And as a teenager, as they would get older and as this young man would, would begin to, uh, as all teenagers do, he began to struggle with temptations and he would cause trouble maybe in their neighborhood and get into a little bit of this over here and a little bit of that over there. And yet he was raised in a good, godly synagogue. He was raised to believe Jehovah. And, and seemingly his friend, whenever they would get together, his friend would be tempted right up along with him to a certain point just like he was. He could be tempted like this little boy was but as a teenager when this boy would fall into trouble the other boy once it got past the temptation part and actually into the action it seemed like he never would go along with it and the little boy couldn't understand how is it so easy for him and such a struggle for me and one day they they brother Benham tells us that they went walking arm in arm together to a baptismal service and as they're walking down to the baptismal service to be baptized by the very same man, this man doing the baptism that day on the river looks up and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And this little boy looks around, who's, who's he talking about? And out walks his friend into the water. John said, I saw the Spirit descending on him like a dove and he baptized him. My friend, is the Lamb that's gonna take away the sins of the world? And just a short while later, they're at a wedding in Cana of Galilee and they, they ran out of wine and he hears his friend's mother say, hey, whatever he says, do it. She had to have seen something as a little boy in this, in this young man's life and, and he could remember back to where they had been on a trip to, to go to the Passover and on the way back home, they, they realized his little friend had got separated from the rest of them. At 12 years old, they begin to ask, have you seen your friend? No, I haven't seen him. And they begin to ask family members and go all around and nobody had seen him. So they begin to retrace their steps. Oh, if you haven't seen him around your house for a while, I hope you'll retrace your steps tonight. If you've misplaced him, if you left him back somewhere because of some besetting sin, I hope you'll retrace your steps tonight and find him. 
And they go back to the temple and this little 12-year-old boy and I don't know what it was, maybe the, the priests, these men were in their 80s and they had been, they'd been taught the scripture since a little child and, and they were debating back and forth about some doctrinal point. You know, They didn't see how Levitical law over here matched something said in numbers over here and they had a debate and Rabbi Lewinsky saw it this way and this rabbi over here saw it that way and a little 12-year-old boy just steps into the synagogue and begins to listen and and he speaks up and he begins to tie those scriptures in such a way that they never heard anything like that before. They'd sat under the rabbis of the rabbis and the Pharisees of the Pharisees and they'd never heard anybody explain the scriptures like this man's friend, 12-year-old boy. And he goes to Cana of Galilee after the baptism and she says, whatever he says, do you do it? And he begins to recognize, my friend can turn water into wine. As they're coming out of Bethany one day, there's a, 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 a lady there and, and her, her child has died and, and, and they've got him in the casket going along and his friend just walks along the funeral procession for a moment and places his hand over on the casket and this widow's son begins to set up in the casket. He says, my friend can raise the dead. My friend can too. I hope he's your friend tonight. He went to a revival one time and Jesus was standing there preaching to the multitudes and, and you know the crowd began to get a little uneasy and they began to get a little hungry and the disciples said, hey, we don't have enough in the budget to pay for everybody's meal. If we did, where would we buy it? Way out here. And he said, what have you got? And the little boy had some loaves and some fishes and he begins to take it and break it and feed the multitudes. You know, that's the only way I can step out of here in front of how many, many people we've got tonight with confidence that, Brother George, that I'm not going to fall on my face and make a fool of myself in front of all these people and all those that will watch it on the Internet. And the only way that it's not my education, I have none. It's not my, my personality or my ability to memorize. It's, it's none of that. It's because I found out that if we'll just let Jesus break the bread... Brother Bram said, no man can, he said, any man can turn back, pack the pages of the word physically, but it takes Jesus to break the bread. And every time he breaks the bread, it doesn't matter if it's two or three or two or three thousand, he can feed them all. And he begins to multiply creation. He says, my friend is a creator. He hears about a stormy sea and he says, my friend can walk on the water. My friend can calm the storms. And he sees a little woman caught in the very act and the legalistic ministry of the day wanted to stone her and he hears his friend say, hey, he that was without sin cast the first stone and there he sat the only man that could have actually done it. He was the only one, Brother Timothy, that actually had a right to stone her because he didn't have any sins. And he turns around and he says, where are thine accuser? Just him and her. I have none, Lord. He said, neither do I accuse you. He said, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. He said, my friend can forgive sins. And he began to get sick. And his friend had gone away for a little while. And sickness begins to come into this young man's body. And Brother Bram says, and then, then Jesus came in 1957. He says, he's talking about historians and different ones. He says, we're taught that he died with hemorrhages in the lungs, probably tubercular. And he died with that condition. And he tells him, he says, go just go and find my friend, Brother Tim, and I'll be okay. He's never let me down. He said, Brother Craig, I've let him down many times, but he's never let me down. Is that your testimony tonight? 
That's my testimony tonight. I don't stand up here as some perfect self-righteous. I've let him down many times. I've failed him many times. But he's never let me down. My friend's never let me down. He's never left me. He's never forsook me. I've tried to run from him, but you go in the belly of the whale, he's there with you. You go down into the depths of hell, you go up into the heavens. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Young people, you say, oh, you just don't know how far I've run or backslider or divorcee or whatever you are, whatever you came from. Oh, you just don't know my life. You just don't know my history. You can't outrun him. Yeah. The man tells that woman, he said, you, you've been thinking about suicide because said, you, you think that you've sinned away your day of grace. He said, if you had sinned away your day of grace, he said, do you love Jesus? She said, yes. He said, if you had sinned away your day of grace, you couldn't love him. The problem is many times we feel unlovable, so we don't think that he can love us. But if you still love him tonight, amen, you haven't sinned away your day of grace. Oh, the devil loves to huff and puff and lie to us. But hey, when the devil begins to talk to me, and I don't know if he talks to you like he does to me, but when he tells me you're a failure and you'll never make it, you'll make a fool of yourself and you'll bring a reproach, I remind him that he's a liar and the father of it. So why would I take his word when I have the words of Jesus saying, I'm victorious and I'm an overcomer? See, there many times there's prophecies that go forth. Brother Tim and I were talking about it this week, about how the... In Portland there, two prophecies went forth. And David and Goliath, two prophecies went forth. And Goliath said, hey, I'll feed you to the birds. And David said, hey, you uncircumcised Philistine withstand in the armies of the living God, I'll chop off your head today. Now, two prophecies went forth. One of them has to be true and one of them has to be wrong. And you know... Maybe I just lean on predestination too hard, but I believe that David could have went out there and laid down flat and that somehow Goliath on his way down would have tripped and broke his neck because Samuel, a vindicated prophet of God, had said that this man was going to be king. There was no way that he could lose this battle. I'm not king yet. I can't lose this battle. Amen. Oh, but David, you're so little. I'm not dependent on my height. I'm not depending on my ability as a sling thrower. I'm depending on the promise of God. Though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. Brother Branham walks to a platform and a maniac runs through the back door and preachers scattered everywhere. And he makes a challenge, I'll break every bone in your body tonight. And a prophet of God begins to speak forth. And as he begins to speak, he says, because you challenged. Not Brother Branham, go back and listen to it. He said, it wasn't me, he was gonna say something else. He said, because you have challenged the Holy Ghost tonight, You'll fall at my feet. He said, fall at your feet. And he rears back, spins around and falls at Brother Branham's feet. Why? Because two prophecies had went forth and one had to be right and one had to be wrong. The interesting thing I find is that this man could yield himself so much to a demonic spirit. He wasn't delivered. Brother Branham said he worships that thing. Oh my, you want deliverance. You better stop worshiping that thing in your life. You better stop babying it and petting it and say, oh, I can quit any time or, oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, that, that's, how, that's how Legion started out, you know. Just a little white lie. It's not that big a deal. That thing will wrap around you and wrap around you and you'll be bound like Legion. Oh, don't play with it. Don't baby it. Don't pet it. Don't sympathize with it. Chop the head of the thing off. Saul was commissioned to kill all the Amalekites and because he didn't, the very thing that he was supposed to destroy wound up destroying him. I don't want that to be my testimony. It's time that we destroy these things in our lives. 
And this man could yield himself so much to this spirit that it wasn't the man speaking anymore, but that spirit begins to speak out of him to a prophet of God. And a prophet of God could stand there and yield himself so much that it wasn't the prophet speaking anymore, but the spirit of God begins to speak out of him. And two men standing there having a conversation and neither one of them doing the talking. He still works like that. In Walmart and in the parking lot and in the churches. Jesus said, take no thought what you shall say. The problem is many times we try to figure it all out ahead of time instead of just depending on him saying, Lord, I'm gonna testify to my neighbor. I'm gonna testify to my family member and the devil will put the thought in your mind and say, you're just gonna bring reproach. You're gonna cause them to blaspheme. Don't tell them about that. You think that's Jesus talking to you or the devil? Brother Bram said, we don't, you know, we don't get to pick what's fish and what's turtles and what's serpents. We just cast the net Our job is to cast the net. I can't save anybody tonight. I can't fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. I can't heal anybody, but I I know somebody that can. And so we cast out the net, and we're not responsible for what it brings back, but we are responsible for casting the net. And many times we let Satan beat us up and rob us of doing the part we're supposed to do. Oh, my Lazarus, he gets sicker and sicker and his friend leaves town. He tells him, just find my friend. He's never let me down. Just get a hold of him and everything will be okay. So his sisters begin to, maybe they send out the 70 and they begin to look in all his usual fishing spots and his prayer spots and his eating spots and they can't find him anywhere. Lazarus gets weaker and weaker. He's beginning to go in and out of consciousness and his lungs are filling up with blood and he's coughing and hemorrhaging. Have you found my friend yet? No, we haven't found him. It's not too late. It's not too late. My friend's never let me down. And as he begins to slip out of consciousness the last time, maybe he thinks, I don't understand. Since a little boy, I've never seen him fail. I've never seen him let me down. And he goes out of consciousness the last time, and maybe his sisters begin to think back to testimonies. And they think, well, the, the, the widow's son there, he was raised, and maybe... Maybe if we can get Jesus to come and preach the funeral, maybe there's still hope. Hope isn't gone yet. If we can just get his friend to come and preach the funeral, they can't find him. They're sending, looking for him, searching for him. And as they stand there and the caretaker rolls the stone over the grave, they go home. Their heart begins to break within them. They think, well, David said, I I won't suffer my holy one to see corruption. We've got 72 hours till corruption sets in. Maybe his friend will still come home. Four days later, the skin worms are crawling in and out of his body. His nose has begun to sink in. And here comes his friend walking down the road. They run to him and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have lived. They had confidence in him that way. They had confidence. If you would have just been here, where were you, Lord? He said, don't worry. He'll rise again. They said, oh, we know in the resurrection. He said, no, you misunderstand. Your friend is the resurrection in life. My friend is the only one that can say that. He was the only one that could stand there and say, I am the resurrection and life. There were a lot of men that can make a lot of boasts. He, my friend was the only one that could stand there and say, I do always that thing which pleases the Father. Brother Branham, St. Paul, Moses, you, me, anybody, any preacher you know, cannot make that claim that they always do that which pleases the Father. You can claim it, but your wife will kick you in the shins and call you a liar. I try, Brother Craig, but I don't always do that which pleases the Father. But he can make that claim. He was the only one that 
that can say, I have power to lay my life down and take it up again. Here he comes walking down the road. He said, I am the resurrection of life. I can imagine as he comes and in one way his humanity, his heart is breaking. He goes to the grave and weeps. But yet I have to imagine that inside of him there had to be some happy tears as well because he's, he had already seen what was going to take place. And he's just weeping because of the sympathy for the sisters that are here grieving. But he knows what's going to take place, Brother David. He's already seen by vision what's going to take place. And his friend begins to speak. And in another dimension, Lazarus, here's his friend. You know, he was in uh, paradise, hadn't been done away with. So I guess he was over there catching up with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and hearing the testimonies. And all of a sudden from another dimension, he begins to hear a voice calling from one dimension to another. Jesus didn't say, Lazarus. Like a lot of us, you know, Baptist message people do. They're scared of emotion or scared of shouting or scared of a real move of the Holy Spirit. Said he cried with a loud voice. Oh, that would have scared a lot of the message people away right there, wouldn't it? He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! And a man that had been dead four days <gasps> began to breathe air into lungs that had been filled with tuberculosis a few days before, that had been hemorrhaging a few days before, Brother Aaron. And he, he comes to himself, and he's in a dark shroud in a dark place, and Jesus tells him, roll the stone away. They said, Lord, we don't want to see that. We don't want you to see that. We don't want to smell that. We don't want you to smell that. He said, roll this stone away. And here he is. He's still bound. That's how a lot of us, you know, Jesus comes to set us free. And we're like Johnny Crow. We think we're still bound. He said, loose him and let him go. His friend wasn't too late. Amen. He's always right on time. None of us are in the condition that Lazarus was in. None of us are in the condition that Jonah was in tonight. But why do we worry? Why do we fret? Why do we get upset? Another bill, another sickness, another bad report from the doctor. And the lawyer said this, the banker said that. Hey, my friend has never left me nor forsook me. And you know, we don't even have to go back in the Bible. I can point you back to things in my own life where God has healed the sick and God has delivered and God has provided. So why when a new obstacle comes up do we immediately begin to bite our nails and worry? If God be with us, where are the miracles? He's still a miracle working God. Mark 16, verse 15 Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven, his last commission to the church. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This was the last thing that he says he wants the church to do. Now, this wasn't contrary to the Jesus of yesterday. He's telling them, do the same things that I did when I was here. He says in St. John 13, I've given you an example that as I've done to you, you should also do. I don't think, I, I know he was talking about washing feet there, but I don't think he, that's all he meant. I think he was talking about love your neighbor, neighbor and heal the sick and raise the dead and preach the gospel. I gave you an example. Yeah. Now do as I've done unto you. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. Oh, I know that's not popular, but as I was saying on the way here, we can't divide the nine spiritual gifts and pick the ones that we want. 
that are popular and that make us feel right about ourselves, no, no more than we can divide the, the five ministering gifts. It's not a multiple selection and multiple choice of, well, these are popular and these are okay, okay and I, I prefer this. Brother Benham said you can't pick the ones you want and say there's this one and there's not that one. He said that's picking and choosing what you want. God's word is not multiple choice. These signs shall follow them that, they, that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. And, and verse 20 doesn't say, and they all sat around and talked about it for 20 years and debated it and argued about it and decided that that was just for Jesus and, and the men gone by in some other day. It says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. Oh, you mean, Brother Nathan, you'd go to a Baptist church and preach? I'd go to the Vatican and preach if the Pope would let me. I don't think I'd get invited back again. Thanks, buddy. That's a compliment. The Lord working with them and confirming, confirming the word with signs following it's one thing to get up and preach. It's one thing to read a quote. It's one thing to read a scripture. It's one thing to memorize it and quote it and debate it and fuss over it. It's another thing for there to be signs and wonders following it. A vindication of the believer. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Does God ever change his mind about his word? 1965, he says, you've got to keep his commission, his will. Oh, well, that was for the disciples. He doesn't change. See, this is what the Church of Christ kept telling Brother Bam. That was for the disciples. Days of miracles are past. Well, he could have sat down and just took their word for it or he could have proved that the days of miracles weren't past. I'm glad he didn't just take somebody else's word for it and sit down and say, well, I guess Brother so-and-so said it, so I guess that's all right. The vindicated proof of the resurrection. Amen. Still in the believers today. Oh, well, that was for the, the disciples, he said. He doesn't change if he's still got a disciple. That's the same commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them, believe. It's never changed. It can't change. Now, he says, you can say what I tell you. It ain't for this day. Oh, you Balaamite. Brother Nathan, you call them people Balaamites? No, I let Brother Branham do it. Oh, you Balaamite, you see, see, God don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's my thought tonight. Is he still the same? Or have we got him, have we got some religious view and, and some man-made theology that puts him in whatever your box is, whatever your pet doctrine that, that says, well, he can move through this brother or he can move through this church or he can move through that movement over there or he can move through my pet doctrine or he can do this or he can do that, but he, he can't, so he's either the same in every way except the corporal body or he's not the same. If people say that he's not the same, then either he lied or they're lying. So you let the word pick who's the liar. Door to the heart, 1960, he's the same yesterday, today, only it isn't his flesh. His blood sanctifies your flesh and my flesh that his spirit might come in and continue the work until the, and he doesn't say days of the apostles. He doesn't say until 1965. He doesn't say until your favorite preacher dies. He says until the consummation, to continue the work until the consummation. 
He tells us in Led by the Spirit of God in 1956, God has a way, a program, and you got to walk into that. He tells us in my new ministry, 1959, that's God, part of God's program. Preaching is his program. Now, I know there's all kinds of programs today, but that's what the prophet of God said. You say, I don't believe that, Brother Nathan. Then just admit that you're an unbeliever. Admit that you don't believe the prophet. I'm going to take what he said. I'm not going to take my favorite quote, my favorite scripture. I'm going to take all that he said. I want to take all that the word says. He says again in Look Away to Jesus, 1963. He said this with his back turned to the tent where Sarah was and told Abraham what she was thinking in the tent. God in a human flesh wearing human clothes. He says, and that's the only way God can do it today is when he gets in your flesh. I want to say tonight, it's easy for us if you're really a believer and you're not, you know, teetering on the edge on the fence. It's easy for us to see tonight that God came in the flesh of a prophet in our age. It's easy to, it was vindicated. There were signs and wonders falling. There were people that, that absolutely hated him and walked away from him and still had to say it was never wrong. It's easy for us to see God in his flesh. It's easy for me to see God in the flesh of Moses and in the flesh of, of Noah and in the flesh of St. Paul. And it's easy sometimes for us to see God in the flesh of the, the pastor or the deacons or some great evangelist that comes through and preaches our special meetings or whatever it be. That's wonderful. We should see God in those places. But if you can't turn that mirror and see God in flesh in you, then either you didn't get a new birth or the devil has lied to you and robbed you of your position in Christ has robbed you of the place that God is trying to call you to. He says the only way he can do it in this age is when he gets in your flesh. Let me tell you, there are people at your school and at your job that they may never listen to a tape. They may laugh at the thought. They may never come to uh, evening light tabernacle and, and sit on a pew. They, they might not be able to handle that. They, they might never walk in these doors of their own accord. But they will see Jesus Christ in you if you'll let him shine through you. God in flesh walking on two feet in you, Brother Branham said. And he said, not a building with a big bell on top and a steeple. That's wonderful. I thank God for the church building. I thank God for a place where we can obey Scripture and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as such as many are doing as we see the day approaching. I thank God for that, for the building. But hey, it's got to be more than bricks and mortar and stucco. Hey man, I don't want just a building that I can bring people to in New Albany, Indiana. I want, to, I want buildings that the Holy Spirit can come and live in and speak through and walk through and talk through. I love the four gospels, but I like to see the fifth gospel being produced in the lives of mothers for their children to see Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Ghost working through a little washwoman or a little housewife or a little teacher or whatever it would be. Brother Brandon begins to talk about this visitation of Elohim to Abraham in, in the sermon Abraham in 1961. He says, now he can use my flesh the same as he cre- creates some. And God back there, he just, Phew. Brother Bram said calcium and potash and all that. Potash poured a, a body together and steps into it. Does another one. Gabriel steps into it or Michael. These different ones begin to step into it. And Wormwood, he says, they go down, walking down the road. And lot like a lot of message, so-called believers, looks and sees three men and says, two lords. Abraham, or he saw two and said, two lords. And Abraham saw three and said, my Lord. The difference in Revelation, see. Brother Bram says, if he can, use, he can use my flesh the same as he could create some because he made me anyhow. He could use your flesh. 
He created and made you. Don't you think so? You know, we... We read the scripture sometime, and if we're not careful, we read it like a newspaper and, or like we would some novel. And we, we read through the scriptures and we hear stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we read about 40 years of their life in about two verses. And we think, my goodness, they must have never had any problems or they were just were so victorious and things. And then we begin to compare it to our own life and we, we see the ups and the downs and the valleys and the peaks and the, the good days and the bad days. And, and we begin to think that we're not anything. We see supernatural things like God creating a body and stepping into it and we think my if he'd only do something supernatural in our day oh my he's done more supernatural in this age we've got pictures and vindication more than any other age somebody said oh I don't believe the message but I, I, I would have believed Noah if I was in the days of Noah you big liar if you couldn't believe it with the vindication we've got today and the scientific proof how would you believe a man that stomped out of the wilderness and said God told me to build a boat there's rain coming and it never had rained they say oh the message is too unscientific not as unscientific as Noah's message not as unscientific as Jonah came out and said hey I've been in the belly of the whale three days and three nights no scuba gear no oxygen tanks totally unscientific but believers believe. You know, I don't have to wring my hands and work it up and, oh, Lord, help me believe. Believers just believe. And we look and we see God manifesting himself in a body there and we think so supernatural. But my, to me, Brother Bam said the virgin birth wasn't as much of a miracle to him in his mind as the natural birth, that God could come and just create something. But you go back through your ancestry and, and, and world wars and things like that and how God would take one and, and, and maybe during wartime would meet in another country and, and they'd come back over and they'd have children and then their child would happen to be at a diner one time and meet a waitress and they'd have a child and then that child would be at a Pentecostal revival over here and meet another one and, and all these things had to take place at specific times in specific people's life to get you sitting here tonight. And you think that's not supernatural? We've got a sister attending our church right now. Her dad was Jewish, and during the time of World War II, he was a little bitty boy, and uh, he, he had blonde hair. He didn't look like a Jew, and so as they were putting him on the trains and things to Auschwitz and different camps, they stopped him and said, don't. He was in line. They said, you don't have to get on there, and he pulled back his shirt and showed him he had a star. He was a Jew. They placed him on the train, and he begins to ship to this concentration camp, and they place him in there, and they're lining up people to go to take him to the gas chambers to kill him. And he's standing in a line over by a fence and he feels a hand reach over the fence and pick him up out of the concentration camp and sit him outside of the concentration camp. And he looks around and there's nobody there, Brother Timothy. Why? Because there was a predestinated seed that had to be sitting in Jeffersonville in New Albany. And how many wrecks did God prevent you from having as some Ricky or Ricketta teenager driving too fast and acting crazy so that your children could be here and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We put him off in the past. Oh, it was wonderful back there. If I could have only been in the revival. Brother Bam said the saints and, and sages of old long to be in this age. First John chapter 3, verse 8, the last part of it there. He says, for this purpose was the Son of God or was, was, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if yesterday he was manifested in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil 
And now we have a prophet of God telling us that he's supposed to be manifested in your flesh and my flesh. What is, he, what is his purpose that he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil? In your life, in your family's life, in your children's life, he's calling you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost to destroy the works of the devil before they destroy you. Brother Branham says again in Abraham 1961, he was in a pillar of fire once, then he come was made flesh, now he's come in your flesh. Well, you know, we still got people around the message confused on the Godhead. Brother Branham makes it so simple. God above us, God with us, God in us. Not three separate gods. God above us as Father. God with us as Jesus. God in us as the Holy Spirit. Same God. You say, I can't figure it out, this triune being. Well, then you can't figure yourself out because you're a triune being. I don't have to introduce you to three different people. Brother Joe, I'm Brother Nathan the flesh, and this is Brother Nathan the spirit, and this is Brother Nathan the soul. And we'd all three like to talk to you. You schizophrenic devil, get out of here. My God's not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. One God manifested in three offices. God above us, God with us, God in us. He was pillar of fire once and then he came and died for us and then he came back to live in you. My perfect strength by perfect weakness, 1961. Brother Bram said there's only one thing that God cannot do and that's fail. He can do anything else but fail, but he cannot fail. Now, I want you to look back. We're talking about Jesus of today versus Jesus of yesterday. And I want you to look back and think of any scripture in the gospel. And can anybody produce me a scripture where Jesus ever failed? Was there a demon that he came up against that was too tough? Was there a sickness that he came up with that he said, sorry, folks, let's just dismiss and go home? Uh, was there a, a question that the Pharisees asked him? They said, hey, I'll get back with you next year. Let me go home and study real hard. He was the word. Amen. So he never failed. There's no scripture where he ever failed yesterday. So why do we let fear creep in and think he's, he's going to fail? I've, I've put the token over my home, Brother Tim, but I'm worried about my children. Why are you worried? He cannot fail. Why don't you turn to somebody beside you tonight and say, he cannot fail. But you don't know my bank account. He cannot fail. You don't know what the doctor said. He cannot fail. I don't care what, I don't, I don't mean it disrespectful. I thank God for medical science, but I'm not looking at the doctor's diagnosis. I'm looking to the promise. I thank God for doctors and diagnoses and, and medicines and, and vitamins and all these things. I thank God, Brother Branham said, God heals through many different ways. But I thank God that when all those fail, that we have a source that cannot fail. He cannot fail. Lazarus, didn't matter how much, how dark it got, he had a friend that couldn't fail. You say, but my child is backslid, Brother Nathan. My marriage is destroyed. There's too much hurt. There's too much pain. There's, there's too many things that have been said. There's too many things that have been done. We've already got ink on the divorce papers, but he cannot fail. We serve a God of restoration. This was a message of restoration. And then somebody unfriends us on Facebook and we think, well, it's so hard being a believer. Oh, Brother Nathan, you just don't know. They said something about my pastor on Twitter. <laughs> You're a martyr. 
I mean, those people that got fed to the lions and burnt, you know, at the stake and things, they had it easy. But us people getting talked about on social media, we're martyrs. How, are, how will our lives line up with theirs? He cannot fail. A God of restoration. I don't know how many there are that are sick tonight. And we don't have to have a prayer line. We don't have to have an altar call. God can heal you right in your seat. Or if you want us to lay hands on you, we, we believe that's scriptural too. I believe, you know, you hear some people, they say, we just believe speak the word. Well, I believe in speaking the word too. I've seen God heal like that. While Peter yet spake these words, they was filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen, I believe God still works like that. But Jesus' last commission was to lay hands on the sick. So I'm not going to throw that out of the way just because it doesn't fit somebody's message, terminology, and their favorite lingo and keyword. Brother Ram says in the glorified Jesus in 1955, and I want to read you, I'm trying to close tonight. I want to read you a couple quotes on healing tonight before we do. And, and, and I don't want you to, you know, if you have a physical need in your body, then we'll take it that way too. But, but you know, there's more than just physical scars and and there's more than just physical needs. You know, I find as a pastor, a lot of the scars that people have, my timer's telling me to stop, but give me a few more minutes. I'm, I'm trying. There's a lot of people that have emotional scars in the message and something that they said under some church leadership and got hurt and then they go from this church to that church and then it's hard for them ever to have confidence in a man anymore. Why? Because they, they put some man up on a pedestal up with Jesus Christ and then he let them down and they, they've got disillusion. Well, don't ever put me or any other man up with Jesus Christ. Every man will fail you. Many times we don't fail you intentionally. We'll forget your birthday. Even some of you wives can amen an elbow on that one. Yeah, he did. He'll forget things. She'll forget things. She'll forget to buy your favorite soda at the, at the market. Or the pastor will forget to shake your hand after church. Or he'll get so busy counseling people and praying for the sick and, and seeking God for sermons that he'll forget that, that you were scheduled for a surgery that day at the hospital. And men will let you down, not intentionally sometimes. But if you lift them to a place of Jesus where you think they'll never leave you nor forsake you, you'll, you will be left and forsaken and confused. And so people suffer with emotional scars. They was made fun of as a child or abused as a child and, or, or, or somebody made fun of their weight or their height or their shortness or their stoutness or their skinniness or the size of their nose or the size of this or that or the other and, and they go through life with scars. Brother Branham says in Glorified Jesus, 1955, he says, now, if you can look and live when you see and hear the gospel preached on the basis of the word, that settles it. You're healed right there. But you cannot be healed by mental faith. I don't want mental faith tonight. But listen to this. He says, you've got to be healed by a real living faith from your heart when no matter how much you're worked up up here and no matter how much you disbelieve up here, if something down here tells you it's over, it's over, that's all. Now, we think about that a lot of times. We know intellectual faith, we just can't receive it as intellectual faith. But he says, even no matter how much you disbelieve up here, if there's something down in this channel that receives it, you can be trying to intellectualize it all and figure it all out. And something down here says, I believe. And you can still be healed. We don't go off of our, off of our mental capability. Brother Bram said, in one place there, he said, you can be demonology. He said, you can be completely insane and still have the Holy Ghost. So it's not just our mental faculties. You see these people go into dementia and Alzheimer's and things. And my grandma, she died 
And, you know, she never had a TV in her house her whole life, Brother Craig. And she began to get dementia and thought she was 18 years old and trying to go out and, 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 and get dates with men and watching Brad Pitt movies and all kinds of stuff. She was in this mentality of a teenager. Why? Because something had snapped in her mind. But that didn't have anything to do with the Holy Ghost. Absolutely not. No matter how much you're worked up up here, you can think, oh, Brother Nathan, I know the quotes. I've heard the quotes. I can quote the quotes. It takes something down here to receive it. He says in the working of the Holy Spirit, 1956, just take a little mental trip now. And remember, let's do this tonight, all right? Let's just do a little exercise mentally. He says, just take a little mental trip now. And remember, imagine seeing the Lord Jesus walking right down the aisle, standing there by the side of you, saying, child of mine, I want to heal you more than you want to be healed. Now, we hear him say many times he wants to give you the Holy Ghost more than you want to receive it, but he says he wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. Now, if he was here tonight in a corporal body, let's just be honest with ourselves. If it wasn't Nathan Bryant and Brother Tim and Brother Craig and Brother Joe, Brother, Adam, Aaron, Brother Aaron and Brother Timothy, some of these brothers sitting up here, but if he came walking down through those back doors and you recognized it was him, not somebody dressed up like him, but him, and he began to walk down by your pew. And maybe you was crippled or maybe you was sick, diagnosed with something that the doctor said there was no hope of. Maybe your child was backslid out here in the world somewhere. You think, if I could just touch the hem of his garment like that lady did. Well, he's not here in a corporal body tonight, but he's here. Just as real, just the same, just as present tense as if he was walking up and down these aisles tonight in a corporal body. He's here. If you can just receive it, he wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. He wants to heal those scars. He wants to heal that emotional baggage that you won't let go, that you won't forgive. Brother Bam said, he said, faith is based on forgiveness because Jesus said, if you won't forgive all about somebody else, but they did me wrong, Brother Nathan. That's right. That's okay. Forgive them or he won't forgive you. He says, and go wake Jesus in 1963. He says, now right out in front of you, stands a person just like you was a few minutes ago. You were sick down here, but there is a well person standing there. Jesus Christ is calling to that well person right behind it. Now you just by faith as you close your eyes, walk right into that well body. See, then just keep on walking, just keep on going. You believe that, Brother Nathan? I do, because he's the same today as he was yesterday. You don't have to go out of here the same as you came in. You don't have to go out of here defeated. You don't have to go out of here sick. You don't have to go out of here letting the devil lie to you say you'll never be delivered. Oh, I know what it's like to be a young man raised in the message and peer pressure and this one trying to get you to drink and this one trying to get you to look at pornography and this one trying to get you to do this and this. I know what it's like to be that. I understand. I get it. But I also know what it's like to know a God that's not only a savior, but he's a keeper. If his keeping power isn't as good as his saving power, then he's not like he was yesterday. But if he can save you, he can keep you. If you're sick tonight, whatever it is, walk into that well body. Scripture said, I would that you prosper in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. He wants you to be well mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. He wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. Let's bow our heads together tonight.
wonder how many would slip up your hand and say, Brother Nathan, I want a Jesus of now. I want a Jesus that's here tonight, not some Jesus of some Jesus that's changed in some way, some Jesus that's not as powerful as he was in A.D. 33 when Jesus was here, not as powerful as he was when Paul was here, not as powerful as he was when Brother Branham was here in 1965. I need a God of 2019. I need a God tonight. I need a God for my family. I need a Jesus Christ of today for my sickness, for this besetting sin that's been in my life that's held me back and sapped my victory and tried to keep me out of church and tried to keep me from moving forward into the kingdom of God. I need a Jesus of today. God help us. Let's just pray to him tonight. Lord Jesus, Lord, we come before you tonight. Lord, you see the needs of the people. Lord, no doubt some of them with loved ones on their heart that backslidden or running from you, Lord. and They've done all they know how to do. They've done all they know how to say. But, Lord, they need a Jesus of today to go after that loved one and bring them back. They need a friend like Lazarus had that will never leave them or forsake them, that will never let them down. Maybe the doctors gave them a bad report. Maybe the lawyer says there's no hope. Maybe the banker says there's no hope. Maybe their family's given up on them. Lord, but you haven't given up. You cannot fail. No matter how dark it looks, your prophet taught us that those darkest of hours, that's when you come along. That's when you make yourself manifested to us. Lord, we need you tonight. Lord, we don't need a pep talk. We don't need, a, uh, we, we don't need some motivational speech. We don't need some bunch of words repeated over and over to work us up. Lord, we need a Jesus of tonight. We need a present tense Jesus. Lord, we need you tonight. Heal the sick, save the lost, fill the empty, Father. Grant deliverance, Lord. May they recognize, may their faith reach up to a point. Lord, as St. Paul said, our salvation is nigher to us than when we first believed. Lord, so many things I feel like our faith builds to a spot where we're almost to that plateau of, of deliverance and then Satan drags us back down to the miry pit with unbelief. Oh, we're closer to our deliverance than we was when we first believed. We're closer to that breakthrough with our family than we was when we first believed. We're closer to healing. We're closer to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When some of us first believed, Lord, help us tonight to receive it, that you're the same, not just because it's on our literature, not just because it's up on the wall tonight or in black and white in our Bibles. May it become a personal revelation to us that you cannot fail that you're the same tonight in every way. It doesn't matter what any man says, what any personality, what any movement, what any doctrine says, you are the same tonight in every way except your physical body because you're in a many-membered bride. Oh, Lord, help us to receive it tonight, not just as words, not just as doctrine, not just as teaching. May it be such a reality to us that wherever we go, we recognize the presence of Jesus Christ indwelling us at our school, at our job, when we're persecuted, when we're made fun of, Lord, down at Walmart, down at Kroger, down at whatever place we'd go, down at McDonald's or on vacation or wherever we'd go, that you can still be a present help in times of trouble. Help us, Father, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Sing this with me tonight. You believe it? Oh, there is power and it's in the name of Jesus. I know there's power and it's
it's in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's still power, and it's in the name of Jesus. Oh, he can break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Oh, Lord, come and break every chain, break every chain. You don't have to be bound anymore. You're free tonight. in the name of Jesus I know there's healing oh it's in the no other name under heaven not under Nathan Bryant's name not under Brother Branham's name not under your pastor's name not under your favorite personality in the message there's power in the name of Jesus he's here tonight what do you have need of let him be that same that can break every chain for you tonight. Why don't we stand and sing it together? Oh, I don't know about you, but after meetings like you just had, I can hear Satan's chains, they're falling. Hey. 